This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Thank you, Lord. Don't you love these testimonies? Every time you testify, you're just giving the devil a... Black guy, you're promoting Jesus. You're saying how good he is and how true he is. And You know, one thing, uh, I don't think he mentioned there, but he, he had told me he had pain every day since 1994. One, one second of one day he didn't have pain. How I many know that it doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with something <laughs> in your body? God is the healer. And he will take care of it. We got many more testimonies going. We got a couple people who have had surgeries canceled. And doctors are amazed. How many things? Maybe it's time we amaze some doctors. Take away some of their business. No. (laughs) Love doctors. Nothing. Let me take care of business for again this. The Tigers won yesterday. Can't believe I'm talking about football, Tiger football. They won. I'll say this for Tim Noe. Where's Tim? He's right here. Oh, Miss, they just barely squeaked down a victory. <laughs> 76 to 3? Come on. <laughs> oh, we got, okay. <laughs> you got some old Miss fans behind you. <laughs> Uh, and I need to mention this because uh, Ellen reminded me she's been pushing this movie War Room. And we haven't seen it, but she's telling everybody to see it, so go see it. I know it's, how many have seen it? Is it good? I've heard it's really good. So make sure you see it and that, that support those that are making uh, Christian movies. And uh, those two guys, those, those brothers, have made some great ones. So... Um, Go to the movies. I'm going to conclude today uh, our series on healing. Uh, not because we've hit a conclusion, because, you know, it's been 12 weeks, three months, so we're going to stop. I was telling Ellen and uh, talking to Zach and Dennis, actually, and saying, uh, you did 12 weeks, I don't feel like I even scratched the surface. I never got to the scriptures where Jesus went about healing and and breaking those things down. But you should know now that it's God's will for you to be healed. It should be firmly implanted in you. If it's not, get the CDs or listen online and listen until you're convinced. Because it's, it's very difficult to get heart healed if you don't know it's God's will. You've got to know it's his will for you to be healed. And it's always his will for you to be healed. Some people don't get healed, but it doesn't mean it's not his will. Some people don't get saved, but it doesn't mean it's not his will. So we have to look at Jesus, and did anywhere, did Jesus ever turn someone down for healing? Did anyone come to him, and Jesus goes, you know what? It's not the Father's will that you be healed, but you next in line, it is his will for you. Or I just don't like the way you 
smell today or you look today, come back tomorrow and maybe I will bring healing to you. He never did that. He never turned anyone down. Well, that tells you right there it's always God's will because he is exact picture, representation of Father God. And anything you read in the Old Testament has to be filtered and you go through the cross to the new covenant which we live in. Everything in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament pointed towards the new covenant, pointed towards the cross, pointed towards Jesus. And it was a shadow, it was pictures of things pointing to Jesus but now we got the real thing. We got Jesus, and you can know the Father. You can see God by looking at the Son. That's the reason someone comes to me and says, God's judging us. He's mad. He's upset. Go to the Son. Go to Jesus. Is there a day of judgment and wrath? Yes. It said it's reserved. But there is a day of wrath of God. But you're living in the dispensation of grace. Therefore, whoever you meet, you can say, God loves you. Jesus went to a cross for you and died for you that you can be saved. It's called the grace of God. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Amen. So we're going to wrap this up. And um, like I said, we'll, we'll do it another time. Sickness is an enemy of God's. We saw that. That sickness, sickness, just like sin, is an enemy to God. Just like sin should be an enemy to you, sickness should be an enemy to you. And you should stand against it because Jesus bore your sickness and disease, infirmities. He took your guilt, shame, pain. He took it all. He took your lack, your poverty. He took it all for us. Where we don't have to partake of those things. We don't have to live in the curses and those things for those that disobey God and are, are against Him. Talked about holiness some. Holiness doesn't change God's view of you. I even said like this your holiness doesn't impress God. And some of you look kind of funny. And I mean, in this regard, I don't care how holy you're living, there is places of sin in your life. Oh, not me, Pastor. Yes, you. You're not walking in love all the time like you should. You're not loving your spouse like you should. You're not serving like you should. In fact, the Bible goes there's even sins of omission. You were supposed to witness that person that you... Let go by because you were in a hurry to get your donuts and get to work. The Bible says if it's not of faith, it's sin. But see, the key is wherever he's shining the light on, you need to deal with that and give it to him and let him work through you. But here's what, if you're not walking in holiness does, it changes our view of God. It, it takes away our confidence. It takes away... Uh, that place of confidence in God, our, our faith is, is damaged. And it opens the door to the enemy. An example would be in James 3.16, for where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. So 
people are trying to receive from God, yet there's strife in their house, envy in their house. They're opening the door to the enemy trying to receive from God. How many know there's a conflict there? You're not going to have the confidence to receive from God if there's strife in your home. Because the Bible says there's every evil work there. Say every evil work. You need to get the strife out. You're letting the enemy in. Think about the pool of Bethesda. Jesus comes, this, this man, he's laying around the pool. You remember they waited for the angel to come and stir the water. Whoever got into the water first would be healed. And Jesus came upon him. He'd been in this condition for 38 years. And Jesus comes up and says, do you want to be well? What a question. He's at a pool waiting for an angel to stir the water where he can get healed. Yet Jesus asks him, because Jesus and God, they have to have our will involved. Do you want to be well? He said, he, he completely ignores the question and says, uh, there's nobody to put me in the water. So Jesus completely ignores that and says, well, rise up and walk then. And he, he gets up, he gets his, his mat, a slip on, and he, he goes off. What happens? The Jewish leaders get upset because it happened to be the Sabbath and said, you can't do any work. You're lifting your bed mat there. You're lifting it, carrying it, so you're doing the work. Who did this to you? Who caused you to disobey the commands of God? And Jesus, I want you to see what he does in John 5, 14. Afterwards, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus went to find him. Why? Because he wanted this man to stay healed. He wanted him to stay free. And he went to tell him, sin no more unless a worse thing come upon you. He's saying, Keep your, get your relationship right with God. Walk with God. See, when you get healed, you have to keep that relationship with God. You need to stay close to him. Because the enemy will come to challenge anything that you get from God. If you've been delivered from some sin, the enemy will come back to challenge you in that place of sin to see if you really believe God or not. He will come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that's the only reason he comes. If he's coming to steal, he must be coming after something because how can you steal something if there's nothing there to steal? He's coming to steal what you receive from God. He'll steal your work. He'll steal your finances. He'll steal your marriage. He'll steal your health. He'll steal your peace. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal. That's what he does. That's the only reason he comes. And Jesus told us this. He says, keep the door shut to the enemy. Walk with me. Keep the relationship with me close. Because I'm the giver of life. 
and life more abundantly is my will for you, but the enemy comes to destroy you. What's your choice? What do you want? But Jesus wanted this man to stay free. He said, look, sin no more unless something worse comes upon you. The enemy will come back knocking on your door. Many of you have received healing. I just want to tell you, resist the enemy. When he comes back, he's coming back. The Bible says he's coming back. Be ready for it. I'm, I'm warning you, I'm telling you that he will come back for a visit. But don't let him in. Keep the door shut. Kick the devil out. What was the old song, Rob? You don't know if you remember. Youth, Ray Hollis used to sing it. Shut the door, Shut the door on the devil. <laughs> Shut the, keep out the devil. It's the truth. If you don't, something else can come worse. And this man was afflicted for 38 years. So I'm not saying when I say our holiness doesn't impress God. I'm saying don't open the door to the enemy. Sin, even though I'm a, a grace minister, I'm telling you sin will kill you. But the good news is there's grace, ability to overcome anything the enemy brings against you. We have the grace of God. Well, I just don't have the power to overcome this. Yes, you don't. So glad you figured that out. You don't have the power, but he does. Give it to him. Lean on him. Don't lean on him. Just jump in his arms. Let him carry you. So you see there in your notes, whatever you get from God, the enemy will come to steal it. So you've got to aggressively take authority over him and tell him no. That's it. Go. How many can remember? It's, it's probably, I don't know, four or five months ago. I had a, a knot in my mouth. And I told you it, it just disappeared during one of our services. Anybody remember that? Most of you remember. Well, I felt the other day, and that thing was trying to come back. What did I say? Nope. No, don't even think about it. Next time I checked, it was gone again. He will come to challenge to see if you really believe God. So there's a question, uh, one of the questions is asked by several people, and you see it there in your notes. Doesn't God say a man's life will be 70 to 80 years? And there's a line there, put no how many have heard that? The man has 70, 80 years. And I'm going to look at the scripture that this comes from. It's Psalms 90, verse 10. The days are alive, so are 70 years. And if by reason of strength there are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for he is soon cut off and we fly away. Now, let me tell you what this refers to when you read this verse. It's referring to when Israel was in the wilderness during the days of Moses. And they were in disobedience. And God said, we're going to have to shorten the lifespan of these people where they can die off. And the new generation can go into the promised land. Everybody remember that? 
You can go back and, and read it. This is a time where they were actually cursed. They were, their life was being shortened because they had been in unbelief and disobeyed God to the point, he said, you're not going into the promised land until these folks die off. And, that, and their life is shortened where the new generation can go in. And by the way, Moses lived to be 120. And he wrote this. Maybe he didn't get the memo. Hey, Moses, you're 80. Hey, next year, you know, <laughs> we'll give you all of 80, but 81 is not coming, partner. You remember what you said, what, what you wrote down? 81 comes, 82, 83. Moses, you're in disobedience to God. <laughs> this is not the setting of a man's life. Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He said, teach us to number our days. In other words, you have a, a place or a say in numbering your days. He didn't say he would number our days. He said, teach us to number our days. Now, you could read commentaries and I'll say, teach us to make the most of our days. And I, I can't agree with that, but I believe there's more there. I believe he's saying, if you'll get wisdom, you will be able to say, I can live long life. You can number your days. You can live till you're satisfied. Ecclesiastes 23, verse 25. If you worship the Lord your God, I will bless your bread and your water. I will take away sickness from you. None of your women will have her baby die before it's born. All women will have children. I will allow you to live long lives. Say long. long. Now, I don't know how long long is to God, but I would think it's pretty long. He said he will allow us to live long lives. And by the way, this is a great thing to pray. I've just been praying, God bless, and I want to thank you for blessing my bread and my water. Or, and bread represents food here. It's a good, who said bread's bad for you? <laughs> Bless your bread and your food, your water, whatever you drink. He will bless it. That's what he's saying. Actually, you, you read it, an angel will come and bless it. You read it in the context. And then he's saying there will be uh, no miscarriage. There will be no one dying before their time or untimely death, which you find in the curse. In fact, uh, Matthew Henry's commentary says there will be no untimely, no one dying young, no untimely deaths. So he's saying here that it is his will really for you to live a long life. Why would God want you to be here for a short time? He has much he wants to do in this earth. He needs you to do something for him. You've got eternity with him. This little speck of time that we're living in here is nothing compared to eternity. And we have eternity with him. 
So you need to stick around and make a difference here and live a long life. Uh, your enthusiasm. Pastor, I don't know. God only blesses health food. Well, really? What about the missionaries? They eat what's set before them. Are you mean because they're serving God by going to a foreign country, answering the call of God, fulfilling God's purpose, that they are, they receive a demerit because they can't eat health food? They eat what's set before them, and some of it, my experience wouldn't, I don't know what that chicken was, but it was no chicken I ever ate. It took me a long time to get out of my teeth. It's the stringiest thing. There was rumors, but I won't tell you rumors because my LNK is in here. So. Do I believe in eating right? Yes. I, I, the Bible says do all things in moderation. We, we know some things. You're responsible for what you know. We know that... That, that sugar's bad. We know some things. There are some things that we don't know because they change every day. They don't know. So you better not put your faith in what you're eating. You better put your faith in the one who can bless what you're eating. And you better bless it anytime you go out to eat. Because you can't inspect the kitchen. And I don't know what goes on back there. But if you ever seen some of these shows where they investigate and they go back there, you don't want to eat anywhere but home. One thing we get some wisdom, Ephesians 6, verse 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. How many believe it must be God's will for you to live long on the earth? He put a promise here. How many believe it's God's will for you to honor your, your father and mother? Children, obey your parents. How many believe that? Every parent should, yeah. That's the will of God. And he wants you to live a long life and be well with you. See, the problem is we get this picture when somebody like me says, I'm going to live to 120, people go, oh, not me. I'm not going to have anybody feeding me, changing my diaper in the nursery. Home, nursing home, nursery. Yeah. <laughs> you revert back. That's what our thinking is, you know. Go back to being a little baby. Somebody's changing your diaper and feeding you. Oh, I'm 120. Oh, it's wonderful. No wonder you don't want that. I don't want it either. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about still taking mountains. I'm talking about still serving God. Being full of strength. Having my youth renewed like the eagles. It's available. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. As his divine power is given to us. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given in, unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption 
that is in the world through lust. That corruption is when Adam sinned and through lust he took and ate of the forbidden fruit. He took from the tree that belonged to God and he ate and sinned. Corruption entered the earth then. And this is what corruption speaks of. You see it in your notes. Corruption speaks of the law of sin and death or the curse of the law. The curse came into the earth. Sin and the consequences of sin. Sickness and, and disease. And when you read in Deuteronomy chapter 28, when you read the curses, whew, man, it's rough. Just, just read it sometime. And you can read through the blessings first. The, the blessings come through the first part of Deuteronomy 28. And then he goes into the curses. But thank God that Jesus Christ became the curse for us. And we've been redeemed from the curse. We can live a long life then. We don't have to experience the corruption. You don't have to lose your mind after 50 years old or whatever. You don't have to lose your mind. You can have the mind of Christ. You can be sharp. The Bible says the memory of the just is blessed. Stop believing what the world is telling you. It's corruption. They're saying you're losing your mind. You can't remember anything. Just say, I am the just or the righteous and my memory's blessed. Start putting your faith that way. Start believing it. You'll have it the way you see it, the way you believe it. You don't have to believe like the world. You don't have to believe the financial doom day doomsayers or whatever, that everything's going to come crashing down. That's not what the Bible says about the righteous. God says that the wealth of the sinner is being stored up for the righteous. They're working for us. They're storing up for us. Under the curse. When you read that curse, all the sickness, all the disease, destruction. It talks about those coming from a foreign land to destroy you. It says even your donkey will be taken for you, from you forcefully. They'll just come and take your donkey. And say they'll never come home. It's a great translation. I don't remember which one I got kicked out of it. but Probably message. I don't know. Let me read to you Psalms 91 verse 14. Because he says, love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. This is God speaking. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He should call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with short life. I'll satisfy him. With 70 years, I'll satisfy him. With long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God wants you to have a long life. He put it in his book. Third John 2, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way, that your body may keep well even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. He wants to keep your body well. Well, if I'm well and I'm not sick, 
How do I die? You just leave your body. You just leave. God is big enough to take you out of your body. It's not hard for him. We said Charles Capps do it. Not sick. Just said, I'm ready, I'm satisfied. Called all his minister friends and they all came to his house in uh, England, Arkansas over there. Just farmer. He, he just said, I'm ready to go home. And on the day he said he was going, he went. You don't have to go sick. There's no place in the Bible that says you must get sick and then die. Romans, well, let me give you this, this in your notes. God's best is that you live and be supernaturally renewed in your soul and body. That's God's best for you. That you supernaturally be renewed in your soul, renewing the mind, and your body. You know what is automatically renewed daily? Your spirit, man. Automatically renewed. You don't have to do anything about it. God's made it a new creation. It, it looks like God. It belongs to him. I mean, that thing is done. So it's a picture of true righteousness and holiness. Your spirit. But your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions has to be renewed. But there's renewal for your body too. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Mortal here means death bound. The spirit of the living God will quicken your mortal body. Death bound body. Quicken means make alive. It's like a divine infusion of the very life of God. It says that this is available for us and it's for your body. You can receive a quick charge to your body. How many could use a quick charge at times? It's just like your, your car. There's a generator on your car that keeps a charge going back to your battery. How many have ever had their battery raised from the dead? I think we all have. You can have receive a quick charge to your body by the Spirit of God. Because it's death bound and it needs a generator. The Holy Spirit's power will come and quicken or give a charge to your body. That's good news, isn't it? <laughs> so our bodies can receive a quickening charge. It's a charge of resurrection power. A divine infusion of the life of God. You remember when it says renew your strength like the eagle's. This is part of that renewing. It's done by the Spirit of God. Now, here's the thing. Some people think this is talking about the rapture of the church. Only problem is, when you look at the rapture of the church, it says that our bodies are transformed. 
It says corruptible puts on incorruptible. Mortal becomes immortal. That's the rapture. The only body that needs quickening is a mortal body. And you can by faith receive a quickening for your mortal body. You can actually put hands on yourself and say, Father, I thank you for the spirit of the living God that lives in me. And right now I receive a quickening. I receive the life infusion of God, the life of God, touching my mortal body and quickening it and giving a charge for life, renewing my body. That's how you get to 120. You're going to have to do some renewing. You're going to have to speak the body parts. That's how you do it. The ushers have a, a sheet, uh, healing questions. And these are some of the questions I didn't get to, but I wanted to get this passed out to you. And you can, uh, you can look at this. There, there was a couple I was just going to... Uh, Take one per family, please. That would be, be best. Just go ahead and pass them down the, the rows. And if you still have a question maybe I didn't get, uh, these are the ones, I think this covers pretty much everything uh, that came in to me or was covered in, in the sermons. But I was going to touch this... Uh, my doctor says I need surgery. Should I have surgery? If you ask that question, you should have the surgery. And the reason is you have to be totally convinced and know God's spoken to you not to have surgery. Your faith not, may not be in a place to make it through that surgery. But what you need to do is release your faith in the doctor operating on you and for your body to respond quickly and for you to be uh, recover quickly. So you release your faith that way. Another question is asked, I'm believing God for my healing. Should I stop my medication? No. Don't stop your medication. God can confirm through the doctors what he's done. See, you asking, it's once again, you're asking to stop. God can show you and, and lead you. But doctors are not we love doctors. We're for doctors. And God can confirm and show that you're healed through a doctor. So it's just being wise and you can uh, look through the, the rest of these. I don't have this uh, sheet to pass out, but uh, I thought it was really good. I guess it was, it was probably last year when I heard this. And um, I don't even know who the minister was. I just, I just liked it, uh, rewound it, and tried to write it. I don't even think it's exactly the same. But listen to this. It's called The Two Invisible Kingdoms in the Earth. The entire Bible, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, is a story of a violent conflict between two opposed kingdoms. One kingdom is ruled over by our Lord Jesus Christ. The other kingdom by his defeated adversary and enemy, the devil. 
Every detail of my life falls within the function and operation of these two kingdoms. Every choice you make increases one kingdom at the expense of the other. When you choose Christ and you choose the Word of God, it enlarges the reign of Jesus in your heart at the expense of the power of hell trying to come into your life. When you choose the flesh, carnality, and sin, it increases the devil and the reign of sin in your life at the expense of the reign of Christ in your life. There's a lot of things that God gets blamed for that he didn't have anything to do. We're reaping where we've sown. And God is the giver of life. When someone has believed God and they, they've died, we don't blame God. We look to ourselves. If someone doesn't get saved, we, we say, well, they never had faith for salvation. Or if someone dies, they don't get healed. We don't judge. We're glad they're a believer. They're doing mighty good. They're doing wonderful. But see, many times people will take their experience and it will become their doctrine over what the Word says. And I believe as long as they're, they're breathing, we, we believe and we trust God and we're believing for them with everything within us. There's been people that have died. I found out later they were making plans of everybody they knew, saying bye to everyone, telling me that they believed they were going to be healed. God knows what's in the heart. I believe some people get tired and they want to go home. There's nothing wrong with that, going home. We had a, a couple miscarriages, but I never blamed God. Because I knew the problem was me. Look at it like this. If God has already provided healing, he's already said yes to it because he's already done it. And a person doesn't get healed, whose fault is it? But we got to be comfortable enough to be able to say, you know, I blew it. Or I just didn't have it. Or, or you know, whatever. I got tired, let go of my faith. Kenneth Hagin used to say, he, the Lord showed him a, a vision, angels knocking on the door with provision, and they were right there at the door, and the person would go, ah, just give up on it. And the angel was at the door with the provision. See, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. We don't like that patience part. But see, patience isn't just enduring, it's being steadfast with your confessions and your faith. and Not perfect, but steadfast. When we uh, had the, the miscarriages, it hurt. But I never said, God, that's your fault. Or Ellen's mom and dad passed away. Both died of cancer. Believing God. Never blamed God. Because I knew he had already provided for it. He had already said, yes, it's on our part. So we're contending. We're, we're walking and processing through this thing. The good news is I got to see one of our daughters in heaven through a dream. And let me tell you, she's doing quite well. <laughs> she wouldn't come back for nothing. 
asked where her sister was, and her sister was off playing somewhere, and she got to come. And it's, it's a, it was awesome. What I'm saying is, don't quit. Stay, keep your faith out there. Somebody's been suffering migraine headaches. Who is that? God wants to deliver you from migraine headaches right now. Just come, come stand here real quick. No, you can stay right there. Just stand up. Everybody stretch your hands towards them. Look at these. Father, we thank you right now for authority over migraine headaches. We command them to go now in Jesus' name. Never to come back. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Set them free, Lord. Set them free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Did any of you had a, have a headache now or <laughs> while you're here? Anybody have a headache? No headache? I don't blame you. I wouldn't be here either. Now, the enemy tries to bring back. You say, oh, no. I am healed. I am healed. God's power to heal you is just released. At the end of service, come up and, and let one of the prayer partners lay hands on you. And you just, you just take it, take it, take it, take it. It's yours. It's yours. That's, that's bow our heads. The greatest provision of the cross is belonging to Jesus. Is having the relationship with him, being a part of the family of God. And once again, that's our choice. If I, if I was to ask you, why should God let you into heaven? What would your answer be? You say, well, I hope so. Let me tell you, the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say, if you hope to get to heaven, you'll get there. The truth is, you won't get there hoping. So, well, I believe in God. Well, the devil believes in God, but he's not going to be in heaven. I was raised in a Christian home. It's nowhere in the Bible that says, because you were raised in a Christian home, you get to go to heaven. See, I want to honor you and value you enough to tell you the truth. If those are the reasons that you're giving for going to heaven, you're not going. Well, pastor, I think I'm good enough. I'm a good person. No, you're not. <laughs> the only reason that you can get there is because you belong to him. You've surrendered your life to him. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. What does that mean? It means giving all your heart and all your life to Jesus Christ. You're following him. You put your life in his hands. That's the way that you get to heaven. You get on Jesus' perfect righteousness and his holiness and his perfection. Because heaven is a perfect place and you get in on his perfection. 
It's called the grace of God. It's called the mercy of God. And God is calling people to come home and come back to him. Maybe you've prayed this before, but you've been running with the world. It's time to run home. It's time to come home. It's time to get back right with God. The hour's short. God's not finished with this plan for the church. But the time is short. And we must be about the Father's business. And God loves you so much. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Why don't you get in on his plan and his purpose? If that's you, you want in on this prayer, I want you to just lift your hand and say, that's me. And we're going to pray. Anyone else? Yes, see those hands. Thank you. Yes, see that hand. See those two. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We're going to pray together. And those that lifted their hands, I want you to come down. At the end of service, I want one of these prayer partners to pray with you and just to celebrate the decision that you have made. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, merciful God, graceful God, for loving me and helping me when I was helpless to myself taking this mess and making something beautiful to look like you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for taking my shame and my guilt. And now I'll live for you. I give my all to you. I'll follow you no matter what. Thank you for saving me. I call you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You